welcome to the Slow Wellness Podcast, where your host and nutritional therapy practitioner, Sandy Nazoli, teaches you how to connect with a sustainable, impactful, and consistently healthy life by following the foundational path to reenchantment. Slow Wellness. Reenchantment with nature, your body, and your soul. I recently gave up drinking. I've had lots of friends ask me, how long are you going to do this for? How long are you going to give up alcohol for? Is this like a dry January for you? And my response to them is, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to give up alcohol forever, but for now, I'm giving it up because I am enjoying my sleep. Yes, you heard me correctly. The reason I gave up alcohol, something that is so significant to my own family culture, is for sleep. Now, it's new in my body to have such a reaction to alcohol that it keeps me up at night. And I attribute it to the phase of life I'm in, which is menopausal. And I had an early onset menopause, which is menopause before 45. But this brings me to today's podcast topic, which is our sleep-wake cycle. And the significance and the importance of the sleep-wake cycle being healthy and robust in order to have good quality of life, a healthy life, and vitality. Our sleep-wake cycle is a 24-hour cycle of hormones that's called our circadian rhythm, and it's the waking hormone of cortisol and the sleeping hormone of melatonin. And it's really a male aspect of hormonal fluctuations, and it's very much um, in relation to the sun and to darkness. Have you ever felt like you can't turn your mind off at night and it keeps you up late or makes it so that you cannot go to sleep, which then makes you too tired to get up in the morning? Or how about in winter? Have you ever had really low energy and and felt like it just takes more effort to be in a good mood? This all has to do with your circadian rhythm. So what does the word circadian mean? Oxford Dictionary defines it as of biological processes recurring naturally on a 24-hour cycle, even in the absence of light fluctuations. The National Institute of Health says that one of the most dramatic features of the world in which we live is the cycle of day and night. The synchrony of an organism with both its external and internal environments is critical to the organism's well-being and survival. Great. Well, how does this help me and my health? Well, we have this rhythm inside of us that's in sync with the outer outer world via light, dark, and the seasons. So we're actually connected to Mother Nature, as I always say. As we support our own natural rhythm, we benefit with things like more effective rest and sleep, digestion and metabolism, stress management, or or what I call stress resilience, and mood stabilization amongst very many, many, many more. So how does this work? Well, first we have the brain. 
The brain has cells that respond to light and dark, and these cells receive signals from our eyes, which capture environmental light and dark. And the brain cells that respond to the signals then send out these messages to other parts of the brain that activate functions to make us feel tired or awake. Then we have body temperature. Our body temperature drops while we sleep and rises while we're awake. And then there's the hormones that I mentioned earlier. So we've got melatonin that's released at night and suppressed during the day. And then cortisol. Have you ever suddenly woken up in the middle of the night? I bet you thought you had to pee. Or how about waking up before you needed to, but you can't go back to sleep? Chances are it was actually a cortisol release. Cortisol is responsible for making us alert and releases for waking up in the morning. The next is metabolism. Digestion, which is food breakdown, and metabolism, which is the utilization of nutrients for energy, work at different rates throughout the day with significant work being done while we sleep. So how can you nurture your circadian rhythm? Supporting the process of your cortisol awakening response is key. And that happens, as you may have guessed, because it's called the cortisol awakening response in the morning. So did you know that there's some coaches and practitioners who use this process as a mini stress test? It tells us how important it is to keep this process functioning optimally. Most people get their deepest sleep in the first part of their sleep. Circadian rhythm researchers recommend going to sleep no later than between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m., putting screens away an hour prior, so around 9 p.m., and that can help the mind to wind down and eliminate the blue light disruption. Upon waking, avoid reaching for that screen at least for at least an hour. And instead, try to get some natural light first thing. Lots of exposure to natural light nurtures our rhythm. And that that's even in the winter, you know. It doesn't have to be sunshine. It can be just the natural light of day. If it's still dark, going outside can help stimulate your natural rhythm even for a minute or two. Try to have your meals at consistent times throughout the day, i.e. the same times. <laughs> You should wake up noticing two things about your metabolism and digestion. One, most of us should need to poop in the morning. Yes, the colon is one of the parts of the body that is signaled by the brain in the morning. And two, you should be hungry for breakfast. If these two things are not happening, it's something worth looking into and maybe noting with your nutritional practitioner. Gut health, yes, I know, all of us nutrition experts go on and on about this one, but yes, it even helps with our circadian rhythm. Sticking to daily, weekly routines, daily movement, daily time outdoors, avoiding unhealthy stimulants, and healthy sleep hygiene. That's what I'm going to get into next, sleep hygiene. Imagine that you're out on a backpacking trip with a group of friends and you've made it to your campsite and you're all setting up your tents and your little individual camps, but there's this one friend who needs all of your help setting themselves up. So you all put down your own gear and go over to help this one friend. Now this one friend needs so much of your energy that 
none of you end up having the energy to put up your own tents, let alone get the rest that you need by having a robust tent set up to be able to rest. And then because of this, you're not going to have the energy to make it back down in the morning. If we think of all of the friends in the camp helping the one friend as cortisol and that one friend being stress, then we can start to see how stress can demand the energy and doesn't allow for melatonin to step in throughout the day if we allow stress to keep cortisol on all day. The cortisol awakening response is meant to peak in the morning and slowly decline throughout the day and sort of tag team with melatonin in the second part of the day where melatonin takes over. So if you think of melatonin as those tents that we needed to get rest in, then melatonin can help us get that energy that we need to make it back down that mountain. Now, it's easier said than done to just tell you to work on your stress to help with your sleep hygiene because stress is not just a mental issue that we need to to work on. Stress is in our body in the form of toxins. It's external environmentally and it's also in food quality. It's just something that we can't get away from. So the key is in building resilience to stress. A lot of times when we start to feel the cortisol awakening response decline, so that energy decline throughout the day, we resist it by, you know, having a cup of coffee in the afternoon or even taking a supplement to boost our energy in the afternoon instead of leaning into it and setting a schedule for ourselves that allows for that natural decline of energy so that we can go directly into rest and sleep when we're supposed to. And then when it comes to sleep, once we've been demanding so much of cortisol all day long, um, it's hard for then for our bodies to go to sleep. And so then we become dependent on things like um, melatonin supplementation instead of promoting our body's natural ability to produce melatonin on its own. As a matter of fact, melatonin supplementation can inhibit our body's natural ability to produce melatonin on its own. So one of the simplest ways to support your sleep hygiene is to lean into your body's natural cortisol awakening response, support that in the morning, and then allow the steady reduction of energy to happen naturally in the afternoon by setting your lifestyle up to have high energy things in the morning and lower energy things in the afternoon. That's one of the most basic things you can do. Another one that I borrow from my kids' elementary school, when they were little, they went to this sweet little outdoor school and artistic school that really promoted sleep hygiene. And they taught us about this thing called candling down the home. And I love this for my clients. So candling down in the evening is really 
taking the time after dinner to settle down the house. So this might be closing the curtains, turning screens off. And if that's hard for you to do, then maybe it might be helpful to set some games out to play or some instruments like strumming the guitar, lighting some candles. So that's where the candling down comes in. Uh, filling up the tea kettle with water and having some tea or an evening drink of choice. And really just setting the tone in your household that we're going to be settling down and we're going to be sleeping in the next hour or two. Putting some soft music on or a, a story on if you like to listen to stories or even reading if that doesn't put you to sleep. But if it does, let it put you to sleep. And just really settle down before bed. Candling down. Making sure that you are not consuming anything stimulating in the evenings. So, or actually the second part of the day. So, putting away the caffeine right around lunchtime, making sure that you're not drinking alcohol, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, making sure that you're not eating sugar. And if you do have a sweet tooth, then having low glycemic snack, so maybe some berries with cream, um, something to really, to really, you know, not stimulate you. If you do find yourself waking up in the middle of the night, having a little bit of healthy fat right before bed might be helpful. So that cup of tea with some high coconut fat cream in it or maybe swishing some coconut oil in your mouth before bed. Um, That fat is what we call really that slow-burning energy. So it really matches the body's ability to slow down and rest and digest. And let's talk a little bit about when we wake up and that cortisol awakening response. And I've already mentioned getting natural light in first thing in the morning is very supportive of the cortisol awakening response. But we also, once our eyes open, the cortisol awakening response is going to happen. So while you might fall back asleep or you might roll over after that and get a little bit more sleep, it's really already happened. And so it's it's really the burst of energy that is already on a roll. Before reaching for a cup of coffee, try having a little bit of warm lemon water or just plain water with some sea salt in it. That helps give you the minerals that you need and the electrolytes that you need. Some good movement. Of course, if you're like me, you don't wake up with a lot of energy. Our family are not morning people. But even just a little bit of movement such as stretching or just walking outside and really doing some neck stretches and some stretching of your back can help with the cortisol awakening response. And then finally, let's talk about food and nutrition that supports sleep hygiene and mindful eating. Mindful eating is really this intentionality when you sit down to eat. And taking the time to have intentionality at your meals is actually kind of 
foreign to our culture, right? We have a hustle culture. As a matter of fact, hustle culture is why we have struggles with our sleep hygiene and with our circadian rhythm. But if you can work your way up to starting with one meal a day, making that a mindful eating meal, and move up to maybe having two meals a day where you're doing mindful eating, that's one way to break it down so that it's not overwhelming for you. Digestion is a north to south process. So it actually starts in our brain. So while we're cooking our food and you start to smell those wonderful aromatic smells, that's actually starting the digestive process. And then when we sit down, if we take a moment to become present before we start eating, so we might take a moment to um, to do some breathing and meditating, or if you are a prayerful person, this is a time to say a prayer, or even just some gratitude for what got your food to your plate for you. So some gratitude for the farmer, for the soil and the earth, uh, for the water, and for, you know, the people that prepared the meal. And just taking some time to kind of center yourself before beginning eating also helps the digestive process start. So your salivary glands are starting, and that's going to make your tummy start growling and get get things going. Then as you're eating, making sure that you are chewing well. And I know this is what our grandmothers told us and our mothers told us. And funny thing, they were right. It's actually scientifically proven to be really important for our digestion and our gut health. So really chewing our food well. So let's talk a little bit about what we want on our plates. So on our plates, we want a rainbow, as you've probably heard. And so lots of color, a variety of color. So we don't just want um, like a cream colored plate or or an orange colored plate. We want a variety of colors if possible. And we want a variety of nutrients. So we want a healthy amount of protein, a healthy amount of um, vegetables and fruit, and a healthy amount of healthy fats. And these should be whole foods, so preferably not from a box and not full of, you know, all the other additives and ingredients that we don't need, just a whole food plate full of of. And try drinking your water and getting your hydration half an hour before and after your meals. So actually not with your meals. Mindful eating and healthy eating help our sleep hygiene through things like blood sugar balancing. So if we have dysregulated blood sugar, that's going to deeply affect our sleep hygiene. Mindful eating promotes digestion, and good digestion is going to profoundly help our sleep hygiene. And then making sure that we get the balance of nutrients that we need 
helps with those, for example, those minerals that help the hormones of cortisol and melatonin to communicate throughout the body the way that they're meant to. And that comes to us primarily through our fruits and vegetables. And then with the protein and fat, that gives us the energy that we need for both being awake as well as sleeping and resting and digesting throughout the night so that we don't wake up in the middle of the night and have that burst of energy in the middle of the night. One of the most effective ways to support your sleep hygiene, if not the most effective way to support your sleep hygiene, is to spend time in nature every day. And, you know, I used to be a corporate working person and I still found the time during my lunch break or after I got off of work or before work to get outside. I was on the trails every single day. So if I can do it living the corporate life, I know that anybody can do it. I don't care if you live in the city. I also used to live in the city and I know that the city has parks, but it really... um Connecting with nature is now becoming scientifically proven to support our in- internal rhythm. But, you know, our ancestors knew this already. You know, it, it's innate in us. We already know this. And it's really the most effective way I could recommend to you to support your sleep hygiene than anything else that I have recommended in this podcast. So be sure and get outside. Hopefully this podcast has given you a lot of ideas to try to help nurture your own natural circadian rhythm. Um, It's important to maintain that rhythm as the days change and as the seasons change as best as you can to really hold on to that natural rhythm for yourself. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I do ask that you would please share it with somebody. That's how I get the word out and help people with slow wellness. The sleep-wake cycle and the circadian rhythm is foundational to slow wellness um, and to it's very foundational to your health. It's the first step to health and stress management and stress resilience. If you know people that could benefit from this or you're just enjoying the Slow Wellness Podcast, please go ahead and pay it forward and share it with others. On the next podcast, I'm going to be talking about the hypothalamus pituitary and adrenal axis or the HPA axis. Um, Most people call it, you know, adrenal fatigue, if you will. Um, I call it HPA dysregulation because it's It's really not about our adrenals being fatigued, and I'll get into that in the next podcast. So if you're curious about that, be sure and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you, and have a blessed day. If you are enjoying what you're learning here on the podcast and you'd like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Slow Wellness Practitioner to go deeper in your slow wellness journey with Sandy or to order a custom herbal creation to meet you where you most need botanical support, visit her business website at womanactivated.com.